2: I bought a house right next door to Jamie Foxx, up the street from Jamie. And I used to tell my ex-wife at that time, like, listen, this nigga got an Oscar. We just got a dog named Oscar.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Two million dollars, three million dollars in debt, nigga, and I ain't got nothing to show for it. All my life, been grinding
1: all my life. Sacrifice, hustle, paid the price. want a slice, got the roll of dice. That's why, I, all my life, I been grinding all my life. Yeah. All my life, been grinding all my life, sacrifice, hustle, pay the price, want slice, got to roll dice. all my life, I've been grinding all my life. Hello, welcome to another edition of Club Shay Shay, I am your host Shannon Sharp, I'm also the proprietor of Club Shay Shay, and the guy that's stopping by for a drink and conversation today is a comedian, he's an actor, screenwriter, producer, radio personality, entrepreneur, he's a far, former army uh, sergeant, 30 years in the entertainment industry, the man is so bad he named himself after a natural disaster. Earthquake, what oh, it is, my boy? Well, thank you very much. Let me just correct you, I was in the Air Force. Are you, oh, but what don't did I say? You Army? ever disrespect me? My man? you, you yeah, was in the Air Force. Yeah, you can, man, you can land The dog can get in the Army. <laughs> there you go. You See, there you, there you go, Quake. Quake, we not gonna <laughs> <be>, <laughs> <be> disrespect any <laughs> branch of the military. Well, I
2: will. You don't even need a heartbeat to get in the Army. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Air Force, don't you ever? <laughs> How you doing today, bro? Man, I'm so blessed, brother, and it's a
1: pleasure to be in shit. Club Shay Shay, Man, serving the males up. You know what I do? You know what I got? I okay. got my own cognac, Quake, and I say, you know what, my boy Quake coming today. I say, you know what? Yeah, yeah. Let me know what you think, honest opinion, because I know you're gonna tell me the truth because I've been knowing you. Oh,
2: this smooth. Yeah. You know, I drink 1738, but I think they out. Yeah, it's, hey. It's smooth. I got you a bottle to take with you. Please. No, you can't have none.
1: <laughs> mm. Oh, that's smooth. I appreciate that. Yeah. Check boy. this out, Quake. Yes. I know you was doing this uh, this Netflix special mm. going on at the Hollywood Bowl. All the, the biggest and brightest, Dave Chappelle. Some fan, I don't know what, I don't really consider that, that's not a fan. You run up and do some bull jab like that, that's not a fan. Someone ran on the stage, attacked Chappelle. Right. You were there. Yeah, I was on the show. What was going through your mind when that happened? Well, we was
2: about to do the curtain call, and uh, this ninja... (laughs) <laughs> this motherfucker was so quick. He jumped over and tackled Dave like he played for y'all back in the day. But Dave <laughs> took it good. He, right. he didn't bring him to the ground. He bounced off him like A.B. And, um, and then they took him in the back and... You got a knuckle up sandwich.
1: Yeah, bro. I mean, I saw photos of him. I mean, his arm—his arm was not meant to bend that direction. Yeah, and his eye definitely wasn't like that when he arrived at the show.
2: Nah, but he—that's what you get for coming up there. And it's a shame because it was a—it was a historic night. You had Chris Rock, you had me, Dave Chappelle, John Stewart, um, Jimmy Carr, Michelle Wolf, Jeff Ross. It was sitting you talking about 19,000 people, man. Wow. It was it was beautiful. And just to be a part of it, I was just sucking it in and then right. all of a sudden this one jumped up. And um I wanted to get a couple of licks in, but my manager, Jermaine, talking about we ain't got our money yet,
0: <laughs> so we can't afford
2: no lawsuits. So he said, come on back in the back. I said, let me get a couple of
1: hits in, but it didn't. Is this something that you worry about now? That you tell a joke? Because it used to be quite, you know, you, you see somebody in the front row, they got a bad outfit on, you make a joke. Somebody' hair is not right, you make a joke. Somebody looking crazy, you make a joke. Are you afraid now to make a joke about something that, uh, about someone because they might run up on stage on you?
2: Hell no, that's what you got a mic stand for. <laughs> I'm from
1: Africa. That's a
2: javelin. I jabbing. <laughs> you run up there if you want to, you're gonna lose the lung. I don't even worry too much about that. It's always been an occupational hazard. Right. And you can kind of tell. But this person, it was so much he came out of nowhere. Right. When you're in an intimate club, you could see certain dudes like, yeah. He on air, so you just don't mess with him. Right. You don't bring nothing to him on the rest of it and let it go. And plus security usually at a club, especially for us is adequate and they'll beat him down off of it. And to be quite honest with you, we never, until this Will Smith thing happened, we never had that problem. Right. You know what I mean? We 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 was the only genre that didn't need metal detectives. You came to see a comic, which is a son of a clown. And we didn't get that kind of clientele like rappers did and right. that stuff. So, you know, it's to me, you know, it's a change in it. But no, it don't change mine. I, I came this, I came too far for a person whoop my ass right now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned that Chris Rock was there, and yeah. he grabbed the microphone and, a- and asked, was that Will Smith? That? And that's
2: because we comics. They're jokes. Right. And, uh, and uh, you know, my gay community, Dave is the nicest dude in the world, man, and he has nothing against anybody. But... When you tell us what we can't say, that's a form of bullying to us. Right. Who are you to tell us not to say it? We are born as independent contractors. We self-produce our own. All our lives in our profession is we stand on stage. And how dare you tell me I can't say this? Right. And I'm gonna say it and keep going. It makes through. you want to say it even more. I'm huh? gonna make. If you ever want a comedian not to say something, don't tell him not to say it. Right. I have never met a comedian, when you get up there, don't talk about this, this, this. God damn it, well, I'm gonna talk about it.
1: As soon as I get up there. As soon as I get up there. You watching the Oscars. Yeah. You hear Chris Rock tell the joke about mm-hmm. the G.I. Jane. Yeah. You watch Will Smith. Did you did you, did you you think it was real at the time it was happening or do you think it was a skit? Yeah, I knew it was real when
2: the tape delay stopped letting them talk. You know what I mean? When right. they start bleeping and it was quiet. I like no, this is real. This is real, and I'm glad. I'm glad I watched it, cause Chris taught all of us, and he should have taught everyone. That's how you handle a situation. Under those terms,
1: you know what I mean. Do you believe he would have been as calm as he was had it not been the Oscars? Oh. I think the setting has yes. a lot to do with it. Cause exactly. if you in a regular club, you in you in Atlanta, you in D.C., you in Dallas, and somebody run up on the stage like that, you yeah. ain't gonna be like, okay, hey, somebody just ran up here and slapped it. You know what out of it.
2: Right. Them. No, they they really fucked him up. <laughs> your, your team would have came got it. Then your team versus their team. Right. Then it would have been a melee. But Chris understood the circumstances. Just the, it was the Oscars produced by a black man right. that the first time we kept on. Well, hell, Oscars why didn't Will? On? Why didn't Will think about that? Because that's what happens when you're in love with that goddamn woman. Now that shit don't matter, man. The prime example of what happened to that is what happens when you love a woman that don't love you and you still trying to validate. You don't
1: think she love him? Fuck no. Quick, three. Hey, now hold on. How you? Yeah. How, 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 how did you come to this conclusion? Okay, they had an entanglement. Yeah, they put, She puts all of her business and everybody else's business on the red table, but I think she loves him. If she loved him, she would have never let him run up there.
2: True. Nah, that's what if I think. If she loved him, she wouldn't have laughed at that happen. If she loved him, he did thirty years of being a clean cut, of a comic that never ever. Succumb to
1: all the pressures of gangster rap and everything. But that's what, but see, at MC, that's the build up. See, it wasn't about that joke that one time. No. It was about y'all been calling this man soft for 30 years. No, the it wasn't. That. No, that wasn't it. He'd been <laughs> called soft before that. <laughs>
2: when all the gangster rap and NWA was out there, they called him corny. Yeah. He and Grammy. He won not Grammy. Grammy through that. He didn't buckle, unlike Hammer. Hammer went out there with bumps to the bumps and yeah. put it on there underneath the, uh, underneath the, uh, uh, on the mountains with rain coming and women all around. He didn't, he didn't succumb to it. He stood. He didn't care about it. But his woman, he laughed about it. And when she said that ain't funny and you ain't going to do nothing about it, it made him act. Everybody be around men that love their woman, that overreact. Usually she's like,
1: come on, baby. that nah, but, but, see, but, I, but here's the thing, though. I've been with women and, and my thing is is that somebody being disrespectful towards my woman. You know, I'm going to try to, say, hey, bro, that's my woman and normally they say, okay, my bad, Sean, if I didn't reckon, I, I'm sorry. Right. But it's also her place to, she know her man. Your woman know you. Any woman that's been with me, she know I'm short-fused. Your trigger. Yeah, she goes, Shanna. Hey,
2: baby, don't. baby, baby, no. Shanna, I got you. Yes. Baby, baby, I yeah, got yes, you. Yes, yes. Baby, I got I'm
1: you. I'm going home with you. Yeah. I sleep with you. Yeah. I'm with you. Reassuring your yes, partner. Yes, you know. yes. And you
2: know that motherfucker who's in love would kill everybody in there. For You, for you. you, you understand what I'm saying? Yes. There is no power, no strength like a man that's defending his woman.
1: Yeah.
2: And he would, hey, what? Chris should have been, man, that the real Ali would have
1: came through him. He would have whooped everybody's <laughs> ass in there for her ass. Are you surprised that he hadn't spoken publicly? Chris Rock hadn't spoken publicly about this event? No, I went through a divorce. He's going to sue him. Anytime you hear, uh, (laughs) I'm still working through
2: it. And it's a process that means litigation. I mean, what else can he do? Right. You can't kill him. So ain't nothing else to do but sue him. You need to pay me for that.
1: Do you think the Academy handled it correctly by allowing him to go back, sit down stage, stay for the entirety of the show? Hell no,
2: hell no, that what Dave Chappelle said. He might've hit me, but he wouldn't have sit down there comfortable and watched the whole goddamn show. And that's, you know, they allowed him to do that. And he thanked everybody, he apologized to everybody, excuse
1: me but to uh, Chris. That, that's the problem that I have. Because he can't to come
2: to, Ain't no problem because he loves his woman. I don't It'll it would have been just as bad if he slapped and then
1: apologized in front of him. nor did she that when means, it was over. But you you apologizing to the Academy. Yeah. You got to apologize to the man you hit. No, because the man you hit uh,
2: uh, assaulted your woman, not the Academy,
1: in her eyes. Quake, look at that. I mean, Chris Rock is, is for real because you know under no circumstance, I don't care where you are in America, if you black, if a man walk up and slap you, something got to be done. Well, you can slap me for 200 million.
0: That's what I
2: take out his ass. Hey, man, the day 200 million. You owe me Wait. two. You can slap the shit out of me. If you got 200 million in front of everybody Wait. at the inauguration, <laughs> and you, can? Slap nigga, you can slap me at the NAACP <laughs> meeting. You can slap the shit out of me. <laughs> Undisputed. If you're giving out a 200 fucking million dollars, man, you crazy. That's 200. I will sue 100 million from the Academy. I, su- I the Academy su- fall well, God damn it, you let them sit there and enjoy like ain't nothing happened. I was assaulted. I <laughs> sent 100 million dollars to ABC or whoever broadcast it. You did enough to delay, the, you delayed it enough so the words wouldn't come out. You delayed enough not to see that goddamn slap that got hit. Then I'm coming to Will Smith. I need that Men in Black money. I need that goddamn (laughs) parents don't understand money. Independence day. I need all (laughs) that shit. Believe me, I'm going to test your love for her ass. (laughs) You going to see how much you really love when I take all that goddamn money from you.
1: But I think I read somewhere where she said it just goes to show you when someone is pushed too far or someone is gone too she far. She ain't say shit. A woman that
2: loved you to say that, she was like, she would have immediately made a statement. This, what happened with my with my husband, right. is not a dick of who he is. He has over 30 years of great community service enough. He lost his temper. You should not let what this one moment. moment tarnish or sully his name. What the hell she saying? Oh, uh, it's a time of healing, and I'm all part of it. Motherfucker, of course you is. You're right here putting bruises on, motherfucker. <laughs> sitting down here having an entanglement in this mad house with a key that a friend of yours. Get the hell out of here. Sitting down here having your daughter sitting down talking so about- So
1: who's most responsible for this act?
2: God damn it, a woman, sometimes we got to hold them accountable now. <laughs> you cannot harbor these fugitives. Well, so what about Will? You understand? Where's where Will Listen, probably? listen, man. When you, we all love a, a woman we can't control. You have two options to do. Shatter, you either accept the love she give you or you leave her alone. She know that man loves the hell out of she sick him on like he was a pit bull. Go get his
0: ass.
1: <laughs> like a drug dealer. Yeah. And she went up there. That's what she did. You speaking for first-hand knowledge because you went through a divorce. True. You got the, you you filed for divorce, and yeah. it took you like three years for it to be finalized. Shit,
2: it took nine years.
1: Whoa! Nine, I was
2: only married three years. It took nine years to get a divorce. I went to court one day and said, look here, Yana, I could have killed this motherfucker and been on parole by now. <laughs> now. This is ridiculous.
1: I want my freedom. Now, God it. So was she contesting it? Of course. Course. But hold on, but Quake, if you didn't love her no more, she knew the love wasn't there anymore. What was she holding on to? The standard of living. That hill is beautiful.
2: It's the most seductive thing in the world. If you take a woman to a standard of living that she cannot maintain on her own, she's ruined in her life because very few other men is going to show her that standard of living, which includes the love and look out. at you, when you personally, financially. Commit to a woman you raise her elevation where it is you give her like what they said exhale I have a man. I mean, I don't have to most women that's independent because they because they want to they have no choice The man of their life has not came in their life yet. They don't want to do they want to give all that shit to you it, It's a lot of responsibility having a woman and if you take on that responsibility for her and you take her to a level that no other man is gonna come take it unless he love her. I knew
1: what I was doing for her, that it will never be another man to do for her unless he love her. So that's why, so, so you're saying, A lot of the reason why we see situations like this where women fight to hold on or guys have baby mamas and they behave in a certain manner is because they don't want to let go because they know the standard of living in which they become accustomed to is potentially leaving.
2: And not only the standard of living, the comfortability of things that you can't even equate until the man is gone. You know what I mean? It's a comfort. It's a thing of it. Something wrong with my car, I can call Shannon. I got a man, baby, my car, bro. Stay right here, I'm sending the Uber, the AAA A, coming to get it. If you independent, you ain't got no triple A, you out there changing that damn tire of your damn self. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: you understand? Side dudes don't do that. <laughs> do you, you think Will would be happy or divorced? I think
2: Will would be happy once he comes to the realization like most men, that you in love with a woman that don't love you and no matter what you do or what you give or what you have achieved, it's not going to be sufficient. Why, why, you don't,
1: why don't you think she loves him? They've been to for 20 plus years, quick. Hey, man, a lot of women um, settle. My aunt settled.
2: She... Unsettled because she wanted to get out of my grandmama's house. He had a house somewhere to stay. Go ahead, it's been for
1: well. That was used to be a long time ago. I don't it's think still we can do- here.
2: It's just a higher level. It's still a higher level. It's several. She, He is not the man of her dreams, and she constantly throw it in his face. Like, Why would you bring up Tupac? Got his daughter sitting there. Please come back, Tupac. I know you're alive, so me and mommy could be happy. She, that's his child right now, and she wasn't even born. No. When Tupac was alive. So that comes from the mother. It comes from a mother, man. It's something different degree, no matter what relationship we have. you do not supposed to have your son's friend in your house where you pay for and the rest of it. It's a degree of respect. When a woman loves you, there are certain lines they just won't cross, regardless of your behavior. Right. Regardless of how you, because I love you, I ain't going to do that to you.
1: So, you see, are, what about, what is your stance on marriage? Are you willing to get married again? Or are you, oh, you're about to get sober? married again, but I'm getting some paperwork.
2: Because <laughs> if it don't work out, mama, we're going to have an agreement. All right, we're going to separate my money. <laughs> <what I'm> <laughs> Why are you getting a divorce? Why do you need a prenup if we love each other? I say I got car insurance and I don't expect to be in no accident. But, but just in case... Do, I want to be covered, so if this don't
1: work out. Why was marriage so bad for Quake? Wrong woman that didn't love You don't believe you could have done anything differently? Yeah, picked another woman. Man, go ahead and they were talking about Quake. You no, know, I mean, just because she wasn't right
2: for me and she didn't love me don't make her a bad woman. Right. Um, she's a great woman. She just ain't my woman. She doesn't share the views that I have. You know when a woman loves you. Right. And she didn't love me. That's why I didn't understand where the anger came from. The anger should have never been. I just, folded the plot,
1: I see you. Is running. there ever been, has there been a situation where you got married to this lady, okay, you realize, okay, she's not the one, but is there one that got away? No. Cause I've been in that situation. I, I've been in the situation, I've had a, had a great woman mm-hmm. and I effed it up. Okay. It was me. Right. And as I told her, that, you know, the uh the mind replays what the heart can't delete. True. I realize Quake, when you in a situation we talked a of, about this at the Skybar. Yeah. When I see you for the long yeah, time, yes. yeah, we talked about yes. that at the Skybar. Yeah. At and the I'm soccer. like, you know, you Quake, a lot of times when you're in a situation, you don't realize how good that situation is because you're there. But now when you when you remove from that situation, you're like, damn man, I really messed this up.
2: Yeah. I've never been that fortunate. I've never been fortunate to the point that a woman has
1: ever completely gave herself to me. Have you allowed yourself to be vulnerable? You can't have love without being vulnerable. That's what I've had to learn. Being in therapy for the last the last years is that me, I I got, I got like, because I'm I'm afraid, damn, I worked so hard for this to make sure my family, my kids are taken care of. And damn, somebody might come in there and pretend like they love me and take my stuff. Right. So I've kind of like, Heisman posed a lot of people, but I've got to, in order for me to fully, I've got to let go. And I agree
2: with you. I'm I'm the hardest to deal with from a woman's point of view on that. But I also believe, and it's a prime example with the woman I'm with now, if she's truly the right one, it ain't a problem. She'll go through all the the, um, obstacle, man-made obstacle, distraction I put of the hurt of being insecure like you is. A real woman that believes in you will look through that. I don't care about that. I'm here and eventually you'll be here. I'm gonna break down all the rest of that and I'm here for the long one. I just believe if she's the right one, you will. Um, I have never ever had a woman go all out for me on it. You hear dudes all the time. It's a chick in the bushes want to see me, and she sitting down here, keep calling me. When I break up with a woman, boy, they go straight to the checkout line, ten items less. <laughs> this is what I came up on, and I'm up out of here. I'm like, God damn, I can't get no crying, baby. Don't leave me or nothing. <laughs> checkout time. This- <laughs> This motherfucker, he, the jig is up. All right, come on, we take him. And that's why I say, take everything
1: you came up with, came up off, and we'll be cool. What of the Kim and Kanye? How do you think he's handling that situation? Terrible. Terrible. What? What? What could he do to like? You know what? She no longer is in love with me because I've I've had private conversation with people, and I said the thing that she that. Pete Davidson, and we'll address his situation, is that what he can give her that Kanye never could is that's peace. True. Uh, Kanye Kanye worked three, five, six, seven billion dollars, True. but she, she has her own money. She doesn't need that for him. True.
2: And he can't use that to make her behave. Yeah. And he can't, you know, in our business, take the money away, excuse me, I take away your status. Right. She has access to everywhere he can go. Yeah. He can't economically. Impose on, he can't economically isolate her. He can't do none of them. Cause see, when you blow up and you got a, a woman with no name, she gotta use you as a reference. Right. To get to all of those things that she used to do when she with you. Kim don't need that. Right. Kim has her own. Right. You understand? So the lights clap on her so she doesn't need them. And it's probably for the first time ever, he wanted something that didn't want him. So it was a mixture of ego, love, and the whole nine. I knew he was in trouble talking about, I need to see my kid. <laughs> when a brother starts putting the kids in there, he got it. Yeah, leave the kids. He out. got that, come on. <laughs> you don't put my kids in there. You you know it. Soon as you start dating a girl and they find out a Shannon shop on it, I wanna come see Little Leroy. He ain't seen Leroy in three years. Now he want to come over here and pick up little Leroy. Because <laughs> Shannon over there banging her. You understand? <laughs> that's <laughs> how it works. I want to see my kids. You ain't seen. He don't even know you. Motherfucker, he was calling me daddy. <laughs> you understand? So it's the same that, shit. That's, that's how it is. That's how it is. That's exactly now how it is. Now she's doing her own and
1: there's no way to make her behave. Well, Kim is what we call a standalone. Oh, Kanye yeah. is a standalone. Oh. They were, they were tremendous together. They were absolutely a power couple. But in a standalone situation, she can stand on her own. She can stand on, and plus, you got to understand she's well seasoned. Yeah. She didn't had that work. She have been
2: with stars. Yeah. She know us. Yes. She know the fabric. Not only men, she know black men. Yes. So the indica part of you really breaking her down. It's virtually impossible. She done been through it all, man. That woman knows how to compartmentalize her feelings right. to go on to the next person, no matter who it is on it. And you just have to
1: realize that. Takes that takes a special person to do that. Oh, well, cause, cause I can't. I, Quake, I ain't gonna lie. I just can't leave like this. Like, you know, I'm like, well, maybe, maybe we can make it work. Maybe we should try to make it work. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> I'm out of that motherfucker. They call me Liam Quake, nigga. <laughs> Nigga, trust me. Wait, hold, hold on, Quake, hold on. You ain't had one woman that you fought for that you said, baby, don't leave. Let me make it right. Hell no. Yeah, you down to it, been no, involved hell Yes, I have.
2: <laughs> I mean, my love will start to decrease once you tell me you no longer will be
1: with you want to be with me. But I'm saying, but what, uh, uh, so. Yeah. What, what about if it's something that you're doing, something that you're doing wrong, Quake?
2: It's a process of love because I'm transparent. I'm honest with you. If we're not, if we're not um, in a monogamous relationship, I will let you know. If we are, then it is. I, I, I just have a mentality. I owe my life to nobody, right? But to God. But what I will do, I share it with anybody. But once you tell me you don't wanna share it with me, then I'm out of here, I don't owe you that. I'm not gonna sit here and use my time to try to convince you that I'm the best thing for you. Right. And minds could never be ours, so you must have your mind on somebody else, then go ahead. And I let my record speak for itself, how I treat you and invest. I tell women all the time, you can get any man to sleep with you, but who's actually gonna claim you? And be there for you, and that's what I put that on. And once you say that ain't good enough, ain't shit else I can do. If I keep trying, I'm making a fool out of myself. Well, maybe maybe she just saying that because she want you to prove it. I, ain't, I wasn't put here to prove that. <laughs> I ain't put that with you. Let's start on it, and we'll deal it on day by day. I don't need you to prove it.
1: Just don't disprove it. Let's go back to the beginning, yeah. all the way back from D.C. Yes. Join the military. Yes. Did. Were you always funny? How the nah. hell did you go from the military to, to be a
2: comedian? Nah, my uh, my family is funny. My brother Tyrone funny than me, but he don't know how to put this shit together. <laughs> and I would never tell him how to put these <laughs> jokes together. You hear that motherfucker? Ever. You'll stay working where you at motherfucker. Ever. Keep on doing that job, because you would never put these <laughs> jokes together. Um, so this was just the best decision that day, because I was in the military for nine years and it was time to get out in the world. What made you decide out. to go to the military? Oh, man, I lived with a mother that complained all the motherfucking time. It was rough living with mother. Well, you mama. could've got out? Nah, I mean, that's why I got out. When I walked across the stage, I walked straight into the military. I didn't, it wasn't, it was a week after I graduated. Right. And I was like, shit. Going in the military, they hollered, I'm getting hollered at home. In the military, they holler at you and give you a check. You know? <laughs> let, me, let me go over here because this motherfucker hollering at me ain't giving me nothing, no allowance or nothing. But, <laughs> so I joined the military. and It was the best decision of my life, you know, because I'm from D.C. Right. And it's segregated and it... Going into the military allowed me to see that the world is bigger than the corner. And we as people got more in common than we ever have different. Cause I had this, tell people all the time, I had this white roommate when I first went in the military, name was John. And when I tell you this white man ate more chicken than any black man ever <laughs> did, like, this fried chicken bucket eating motherfucker of fried chicken. I'm talking about bucket after bucket. I was like, God damn, John. He said, it's so good. Have you tried honey on the biscuit? I said, yeah, but not 12 straight. <laughs> this country motherfucker. He took that skull out of his own like that, and threw it in the motherfucker cup and commenced and put that bucket right there and wore that chicken out. I'm telling you every other day.
1: You're in the military for nine years, okay? You're about, yes. to come, you're about to come out. What's your plan? I ain't had no plan. I just knew what I. See, I tell people
2: right there, you don't need to have a plan. I just had this, is what I ain't gonna do. I'm not going over Desert Storm and fight for some oil, and I ain't got no car. <laughs> that's,
0: that's what
2: the fuck I'm not gonna do. Okay. I don't give a fuck with it. And I seen on CNN, they said, you know, they had a poll, what's the number? You know how they do that shit. The number, what's the top cities for black men to prosper in? And number one was Atlanta. I said, well, there you go. Look at God. That's the one. So my other four brothers, um, partners, was like, listen, man, you know you ain't gonna fight evil. Let's go to Atlanta. And that's what we did. We all four went to Atlanta, um, got a two-bedroom apartment, and then when what we- you, What year was that? That was 91. Okay. 91, we went to Atlanta and we got an apartment and uh, all of us, and then we slowly but surely, everybody got their jobs. And I was living on unemployment, see what I was gonna do. So um, I went down to a comedy club and uh, had did some open mic and a little comedy while I was in the military to get out of working. That's what they used to call me, Skatequake. Skate-stroke. Anytime to get out of work. So. um, I took a girl to the thing, and she was laughing hard and shit. Ah. I said, if you want to fuck him, just say you want to fuck him, but that shit ain't that funny. <laughs> you all underneath the table. What you talk about? You're just jealous. I said, that's funny. I said, yeah, that's funny, but that ain't the funniest shit I ever heard for you to be all this motherfucker throwing up and everything. So she said, uh, well, come on. If you think you better than him, do it. I said, shit, I, I can do better than that. And so I started and ain't nothing came since. So it was the best
1: decision and nothing else has came in my life since then. So. Were you funny? Grow- were you funny as a kid? Were you funny in high school? Were you a class clown? Nah, I was good, but my brothers them took all the
2: time. Old hog and ass, motherfucker. Well, <laughs> you come from a big family, right? We, we we go, and my brother Tyrone, my brother Butterball, my sister Tawana, Marcel, they was funny. We just had funny stuff. So I didn't get too much stage time. You
1: mentioned that you're every comedian's favorite comedians. Yeah. Who's your Mount Rushmore comedian? Oh. Um, first of
2: all, the Dundada is, without question, Eddie Murphy. Okay. Most talented person I ever met in my life. I was looking at him like, ooh, this why I ain't got no TV show. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: this motherfucker like from mom Um, I love, the, I don't watch other comedians because I don't write, uh, physically, I write mentally. Right. And if I watch a comedian,
1: I'm afraid that I might be contaminated with something so, that, so you, I, that they said or thought subconsciously. You know what? I'm Quake, I don't watch sporting events with the sound. And people say, why you don't watch it with the sound? I say, because when they talk, I don't want to hear what they're saying. Right. I want everything that you hear come out of my mouth, I said it. Exactly. So if I hear somebody say something on a, a football game or a basketball game, Oh, man, Sharp, you just repeating what somebody else said. Oh, it could, it it, it could. But subconsciously,
2: you... Not only subconsciously, it can alter, especially for you, it can alter your perspective of what you was going to say. So to keep it authenticated and keep it pure, I don't listen. But to answer your question on there... You got Eddie? I got Eddie, I got Dave, I got Chris Rock, I got Corey Holcomb because of his...
0: Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Corey does not have a pro woman set, but he will go to
2: Spelman and do it. Right. And they'll boo the shit out of him and he won't care. That's fearless. Right. Knowing you're going into the pit. And stand strong. That's what, he got more nuts than any of our politicians. Well, stand there in front. This what I believe in. And then on there. And last but not least. No, you don't get before Yeah. DL. DL. That's fine, man. Nah, I hell nah. You ain't really no. You need another head, man.
1: <laughs> I can't believe that you left Pryor off. Pryor was before my time,
2: first of all, and I met him. And second of all, I think a lot of people put Pryor on because you can't dispute it. You know what I mean? I ask people right here, put prize work up, movie wise. We not see the problem I have with it. Are we talking about jokes? We ain't talking. If we talking about movies, TV, the rest of it, yeah. But talk about jokes, and he has work that's sitting there that he has done. I will put raw and delirious up against any prize
1: standup. Yeah. Period. But you know he made the stand-up that he did. You know Pryor, mm-hmm. Raw came from that.
2: Well, I mean somebody had to. Just because you first in the grocery that'll store, that don't mean you the best. Huh? That don't mean be you the best. <laughs> just because you got the goddamn loaf of bread, don't mean my bread <laughs> fucked up or I ain't got a better loaf. <laughs> See, that's the shit y'all killing me about. And since he's gone, and don't nobody want to go against and say, nah, he ain't. You know what I'm saying? It's a couple of motherfuckers. It's a couple of times I think Pryor did one and. You know, sit there. They had all the menu on the back of it. Some of his, like even when he did on Sunset. Yes. When he came to Sunset. The first one he bombed on. Mm -hmm. Because he was nervous coming back from the fire. And I could see it. And as a comic, the second one that he filmed, I could see he was getting back in it, but he wasn't there yet. Right. But he had to shoot it because it was time. Right. You know, you could see those type of things. Certain motherfuckers have flawless shit. Like Eddie Murphy... When he did Raw, every time he took the scarf off at the same fucking point, air time on it. It's just precisions of it. And you put the weight of what's funny with this, his funny against Richard Pryor, and I put his,
1: his special up against anybody's. How would Pryor, how would Murphy, how would Bernie Mac, some of these guys that anything went back then, Quake, you could you could talk about everybody. If you rode a little bus, you had to hit, whatever you wanted to talk about, and it was no big thing. Well, now you can't do that. You can't.
2: It all depends on what's important to you. They can only cancel you for what they feel is valuable. See, like I told my, friend, you can't blackmail me because whatever you have, I refuse to give you value, make it valuable. See, Like Dave Chappelle, you can't cancel him because he's already financially sufficient, financially taken care of, and what you try to take away from, he doesn't value it. He don't want a TV show. He walked away from it. He don't want to do movies. So you can't take away his his stand-up because his fans gonna come see him. Right. So you have nothing to leverage against him. And to answer your question, prior, the rest of them will be the same way. I don't need no fucking movie. I'm Richard Pryor and I'm gonna stay up here and whatever offends you, I'm gonna even do it more. And my fans will come and come see, now what?
1: Then my fuck gonna run on stage, try to kill you. Ch- Chappelle. Yeah. He seems to be the, the gold standard now. When, pe- when everybody, I talk to a lot of comedians, like you said, I know you and, and DC and, 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 and DL and a lot of these guys. Chappelle is the standard. Right. How? I mean, because I, I remember watching him in, uh, 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 another professor, Reggie. Yeah. Reggie, Reggie. Saw him in Blue Street. Yeah, great. He was tremendous. I got a story to tell. And, you know, should I get it? You know, he messing with a uh, Professor club. Should I get him? How, how did he become this?
2: Because since y'all don't understand. And I said this once in another interview Dave Chappelle is equivalent to our LeBron James. He's been a fin- phenom forever. When he got in the business at 14, 15, 16 years old, the industry loved him. I remember we was in Montreal. Montreal Comedy Festival is equivalent to the Netflix, Netflix Ain't a Joke Festival. And that's where all comedians go to Canada, Montreal, Canada, and all the industry come up there and see the new talent and give out development deals for TV shows, for the upcoming season. Dave went up there. When I tell you, after he got on, he could have been on the Food Channel. He could have been, he had like 19 offers. He has always had development deals. So he has always been our LeBron James a phenom right from the early age so when it comes to that especially such as people myself is we already knew and he had the people who the decision makers feel that way about him too and once you have them on your side and they acknowledge your talent it's endless what you can do and that's why the rest of us as comedians have to give it to him. you going up there trying to get one deal with ABC. He got ABC, NBC, CBS, TNT. He can go wherever he wanted to. He put you on. He said, yes. you know
1: what? I want, I, want, I want you to do a show for Netflix yes. and I want to produce it. Yes. Have anybody uh, in the industry shown you as much love as Dave? Put it this way. Not at this
2: result with this result. But Chris Rock is. Yeah. Did for me, put me on Everybody Hate Chris. Yeah, you the uncle. Yeah, I'm the uncle. Uh, Kevin Hart has. Yeah. He he made me the flagship for his radio show. Heartbeat. 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 Um, DL has. uh, Many has, but none of them had the, um, the weight to do it the way um, Dave did. And he was courageous enough to say I know this motherfucker's a force and he's been a force for a while and I'm gonna go ahead and put him out here if none of the rest of y'all are not gonna do it because all my peers been through this they seen this they
1: just didn't feel that they wanted to invest in me at that how, time how, yeah how, that, that's that's the thing how because I mean what I think is funny and what somebody else think is funny is entirely two different things True. I look at you I look, I look at said the entertainer. He's been in movies. Yeah, too. Yeah, uh, uh, he had you know TV shows. DL had a TV show. I mean, there's so many guys. What's funny to Quake? I mean, because as a, as a football player, I know a good football player. Everybody ain't good. They, I don't care what the entertainers, or what what the commentators say. I don't care what's being written. Football players, no good football players. Basketball players, no good basketball players. So forth and so on.
2: I, I love honesty. Are you true to it? If you up here talking about, man, weed too high and you don't smoke, who wrote that or will you steal it? Right. Honesty authentic, And you don't patronize to the people. That's why again with Corey Hoker, this is me and you're gonna accept it. I'm gonna win you over. This is what it is. That's what's funny to me, the carriage of it. Cause you up there by yourself. And I done not see many comedians like two or three minutes that don't work, and you can see they change all the way. How do I succumb to you so you can like me? But a true comic like fuck you, this is funny. You're <laughs> lucky I'm here.
1: Right. <laughs> You'll never get to see me again. Had you been in Chappelle's situation, he has the, had the Comedy Central thing. He had to scare. Sk- I mean, it was every. It was universally. I mean, people running home because I got to see. I got to see the Chappelle show. Got to see the Chappelle show. He walked away
2: from it. Because your mental health in this is the most important part. What I'm learning now that I'm in this transition and and I promise myself, I will not move if I can't take my happiness with me. Right. That's all he's saying. There is no price in return for my mental health of not being happy on it. And he saw them exploiting him and he couldn't live with himself. And if you constantly do it for the money, next thing you know, you're in a hotel with, go and put the strap on. Right. Who got it? You understand? So he has to bring it with him. And deep in his heart, and it's shown that he knew he could get that money back. And he did. And he kept his integrity with it. And he didn't, you know, sell out under his terms on it because he felt that they was laughing at him instead of with him. Right. And now that I'm around
1: Dave and know him closer now, all I know, I was want to the invite to the party. When he be throwing them legendary parties, Oh, man, I got you, man.
2: I mean, I, I call you, man. You be sleep because you got to get up early in the morning. I do. Not I as mean? early oh, as I was there. Quay, you be calling at 12, 1 o'clock of the... I, I don't mean, know what the hell you want me to do. Hey. Yeah, yeah I mean, but I, that's when is not <laughs> popping, man. I can't tell the motherfucker. let's do it at 7.30. <laughs> yeah.
1: Just do. You know what I'm saying? I'll be like, let me look at you. How different is touring today than what it was when you first started touring? The money is... These motherfuckers getting NBA
2: contracts. Come on. <laughs> I'm trying to get some of that. The money is ridiculous. I mean, think about us. We're a self-entity. We're, we produce, write, star. Right. Everything. We, you know, I was telling a promoter the other day who booked new edition. It's just one of me. You got to do Ronnie, Ricky, Mike, Bobby, Bobby Johnny. <laughs> you understand? That's why you don't see the bands anymore. Exactly.
1: Let me get that $100,000. I can't yeah.
2: split $100,000 yeah, So we need 200000 <laughs> Exactly. And my opinion, you ain't a $200,000. But the money is just something out of, it's just.
1: Did you ever think the money would get to where it got?
2: I never knew. I knew Steve Harvey showed me how much you can get when I booked him in my club, and we paid him six, I think like 49,000. i was like, is this kind of money in this club? I think I'm gonna stay here. <laughs> but now, you know, they, like you do the math. We had 18,000 people in um, Hollywood Bowl. Average ticket, $175, $200. Right. 200,000, eight, 18,000 people for all the shit you utter. As a comedian, no band, no drinks, just you and the mic. It's a beautiful thing. After day, after day, after day? Day after day. You can go down there and do two on Friday, two on Saturday, one on Sunday. And if you got enough, you can get a private jet to have you back in your house Sunday night, and you can picked up about a million
1: dollars. Wow. Money is stupid. Social media. Yes. I see a lot of guys on social media, a lot of guys are getting their start with the social media. And then they blow up, and then they're able to go and, like you said, book a set. Mm-hmm. Did as social media, you're on social media, but you don't be really be telling jokes. You be putting real life issues out there. The, the cop shot shot Ray Ray, man, it's effed up. Somebody did something, some some Karen said something. On your page, you're different than a lot of comedians. You're talking about real life issues. Yeah,
2: because I sell my jokes. <laughs> <laughs> these motherfuckers calls. I can. We, we can talk about mother getting shot, but these jokes, <laughs> I'm gonna need a cover charge. Um, so, <laughs> you know, my people be on it. Just talk about this and that. Like I can. not You know what I mean? I'm from the old school. And on point, and I have nothing against social media comedian, but I tell them just like you are, you stand, you still, because you have this platform and you have people coming, if you're gonna name yourself or claim to be a comedian, you're gonna have to do the work. It does not substitute being on the stage by making people funny on there. Ain't no edit page, take another shot. Yeah. I mean another shot. There's only so many skits you can do. Well, not only that, you don't get to do it two or three times when you're on stage. The joke got to come out the first time. Right. And if you're going to sit here and put yourself in this lane, as I'm saying, and proclaim yourself a comedian, then you must understand that it ain't how many followers you have, it's how many comedians you can follow. And until you able to get on that stage and go behind heavy hitters and still take it to a next level, you will never be a part of this crew.
1: You on a, you on you on obviously, so you on the you on a, uh, a show and you got heavy hitters. Yeah. How different because you hey, it's just you know Snoop said if I'm on a, if I'm on a track with with all these guys I got to bring it they are gonna yeah. make me step my game up of course. because I'm not about to be the weak link. Of course. How how much pressure is that, Quake? It's
2: a lot of pressure and a lot of people. We call them the anchor. You gotta have an anchor. That's right. the person that can bring the whole That's show. That's ankle leg, yeah. Oh. On the
1: relay team, the ankle yeah. leg, he, he the
2: dog. But see, some of the dudes, what they do is they ask for the money as the headliner, but they go ahead and take the slot of the MC as the host. Right. Because they know they can't take that fire. Right. Because that stage don't give a hell about your, credibil- your, your credits. Yes. And the crowd gonna give you love the first five minutes because they they recognize, they see you, then they gonna sit back, especially black crowd, okay? Give you a hot five. And I don't care what show you been on, if you don't bring it, they gonna boo your ass. So you must know right then and there. And some comedians, most comedians, they see who's on the show, and we'll talk to the promoter say, hey man, you should let him go second. Because you want the show to gradually. You want to build. Yeah. And you don't, just because he's making more money, you know, it's really the promoter's responsibility to make sure that he don't. As many a times, they come to me like, "Quake, we know we're not paying you all the money. Like, but you're the strongest comic guy. We need you to close. I say, well, you better give me his money. Yeah. You better give me some more. If I'm closing the show, I can't make the less money. At the minimum, it got to be favor Nation. Well, I stay in my little third spot. Cause it all pays the same.
1: Uh, are there certain topics that you just won't talk about?
2: No. If it comes to me, I will talk about it. That's my, it's who we are. We comics, we're bar com- I'm not your politician, I'm not your pastor, I'm not your father, I'm not your mother. I'm a comedian. And that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to make things funny. And the best thing's funny is something they, somebody thought about but wouldn't say it or didn't think about it.
1: And once I say it, now they saw it. You I heard uh, I don't know if it was you, I think you said it, is that you take a real life situation and you make it funny. Of course. And, you know, watch the Netflix special. I've seen it like three times. I've i follow you. Thank you. Um so when when things actually happen, are you saying, now, how can I turn this into a joke? How can I make this ish funny? Now, usually it comes automatic, but what's my point of
2: view? Like, you know, take for example, um, when I talked about um, January the 6th. Right. These are white people just rushing to overturn the government. Damn, I wish I was a cop that day. <laughs> i had been shooting the shit out of them and, and they know what you're doing, saving democracy. Right. No different than the pilot. What they thought they were doing. The same thing they have done. Right. Same thing the pilot that took the plane down to 9-11 before it got to D.C., he was saving the markets. It's the same way.
1: Man, hold on. You, Chappelle, Martin Lawrence, Wanda Sykes, Tommy Davis in D.C., what what the hell in the water, D.C.? D.C.
2: DC is the hottest We We have nothing but star. I would take... Every comedian that came from DC, and we'll go against any comedians in the world.
1: Well, oh, goddamn, you got you, Chappelle, Martin Lawrence, Wanda Sykes, Tommy. I mean, I love Wanda Wanda, my girl. Oh, I love him. Uh Tommy, Tommy, I, I know Tommy. Know Martin a little bit. No, know, know your know your ass. <laughs> uh Chappelle. Yeah. Man, Chappelle grew, man, Chappelle grew on me. Cause I guess like when he was doing like T doing uh, uh movies, I was like, and then I saw him doing the sketches, and the sketches was funny. But like you said, there's a difference between doing a sketch and putting a set together. When you got a whole, you got a whole, you got to keep me laughing for two hours.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uninterrupted. Right. Just you. Yeah. Ain't no, ain't no, you know, a, a lot of, there <coughs> are differences between singers and entertainers. Entertainers, you got pyrotechnics, you got dancers, you got all that. Is it me, or is it the background dancers that's twerking or the pyrotechnics? A, a comedian, is a Whitney Houston. You got a stool and a mic. All right, what's up? And not
2: only that, we need your undivided attention, and we can't use none of the things that you heard before. Right. Certain singers and the rest of them still singing off of hits they had in '85. Right. And it is off of, but I love it. I love it off of it. It's the best thing ever, especially when you're good at it or great at it.
1: Oh. <laughs> you said. You can't have dreams when you're hungry. That's why you got in, in all the classes before lunch. Damn. I'm hungry than
2: a motherfucker. I can't study. I'm going to concentrate over this stomach growling.
1: You better put this motherfucker out there and get this Salisbury steak. So, so what was what did Quake want to be when he was growing up? Did you want to be an athlete? Did you want to be a I really. I mean... I, I just wanted, I just
2: wanted to live like a drug dealer without the repercussions and the consequences. Of it. You know what I'm saying? I ain't want to go to jail. I didn't want to get shot at. But I did want the girls You wanted to be Snowball. You want to be Franklin. Yeah, I want to be Franklin with all the good things that come along with it, without the, you know, the things. On that's all I want. Just self-sufficient. That not depend on anybody because people don't understand. I had a mother that put me out when I was eight. And when she tried to put me out at eight, and I was
1: like, damn, hang on nowhere. To Where you come. going? Yeah, so, I was. So hello, quick. What did you do that your mother I don't give a damn what I did? You don't put an eight-year-old out. <laughs> don't justify I- that. <laughs> God damn it. You might have been Damon. You might have been. <laughs> yeah, I no. was. I was a little Damon
2: <laughs> thorn, but still. But <laughs> you that let me know, man, never depend on nobody else, even if it is your mother, cause that feeling of nowhere to go, and that was the lifeline for my standing and living on it, was a
1: very important lesson. Is your mom still alive? No, she's not. Did y'all, did you? Because it seemed like you and your mom had a very contentious relationship when you were growing up. Did you no, amend that?
2: No, it wasn't contentious. She just knew this is how you had to raise me. See, my son right now, I wish my mom was alive. Well, now to give him something because he, he a house cat. Right. Sorry. Mom. I mean, he ain't sorry, but he depends on anything else. My mother would She refused to allow me to depend on anybody. Come on here. Let me teach you how you're going to cook because ain't no woman going to cook for you. That's how my mother was. My mother gave me and now that I retrospect and I look back at it, I see other brothers so sorry in my humble opinion of the, the dependency or other women or other things. And now I understand why my mother taught me not to be that guy. And you can survive, I can, you can drop me anywhere in
1: the world and I will survive. It would. Re- it really bothers you that you thought, that you think that you might be dependent yes. on someone.
2: Yes, yes. Being dependent on somebody, it's the worst feeling in the world because what if they wake up one morning and they just don't want to do That is do a bad feeling.
1: That's 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 the worst feeling in the world.
2: Your dependence, that's why I have nothing against pimps, but I do, but I could never depend on no woman for my standard of living under no circumstance. First of all, that is not my role as a man. Second of all, it's dependent on her good grace of how she perceives me for my standard of living. She can come home one day and say, you ain't the one, get your shit, get the fuck out. And I have nothing, couldn't live under that i rather live, and I have always lived below my means, so to make sure that it will never, ever be taken away from me. Did you tell, did you tell jokes to get girls? No, but they the product of them.
0: <laughs> I got
2: friends, <laughs> I tell them all the time, if you was to put the same energy in your jokes and you put in them women, you'll be a superstar. Women are the product of your talent. It should never be your motivation
1: for your talent. That's interesting. I like that. Product, not the motivation. Yeah. How did you get the name Earthquake? Um,
2: um, to be quite honest with you, uh, it came from insecurity. Because I said, once I say I want to be a comedian, but I wasn't sure about it, let me try this. I said, well, I ain't going to fuck up my good name. <laughs> So, let's try Earthquake. If this shit don't work out, I can always deny it. I go back. I go back to my real dad. Yeah, motherfucker, ain't you Earthquake? I don't know that motherfucker. My name Nathaniel. No. My family like, we heard that motherfucker down in Atlanta trying to be a comedian. Said, nah, that wasn't me. <laughs> so, it didn't work out. My family didn't know I was a comedian until six or seven years in my career. Why you didn't tell them? Just told you, in case that shit didn't work out. I wasn't going to be at the family reunion. Come on, y'all. This motherfuckers trying to tell a joke. I thought he was funny. Yeah. You know how we do hey. Oh, they would have wore my ass out. <laughs> you don't get that kind of ammunition to my family. Boy, they would have wore me out. Was
1: college, was college ever an option?
2: Yeah. And I was very smart in school, but I didn't have... Didn't have anybody in my family or my surrounding to tell me the significance of counting, Because when I was in the ninth grade, Georgetown came and got me and put me in this program called Upper Bound Program. Mm -hmm. And what that is, they allow you to do your last two years of high school at Georgetown. And your transfer from there, graduate and on the pilot program, allow you to go to Georgetown University. You got to understand. Wow, yeah, I didn't know anything about it. So they came to pick us up, came to pick me up anyway. And they took me down there and I had a fat boy Jones. This the first time I have ever tasted a fresh donut. (laughs) And I ate that, and I'm like, oh god damn, Hostess ain't got shit on this. (laughs) And I just stayed by the donut shit while they told the rest of the shit, man thing. And I needed somebody to say, hey man, put the donut down. This is an opportunity that you can continue on. Right. And no one in, in my family had ever went to school. We felt just graduating from high school was the achievement. Right. At that particular time, because my mother and father had, you know, had an eighth grade right uh education so they well, were you supposed there. to graduate high school and go get a job get a, get a job That's <laughs> yeah, they a college that, I, a, no, I didn't even only thing we knew about college was georgetown was there and they played basketball right didn't know the significant no one ever sat down and was like no this is where." and that's one of the biggest regrets i had in my life is not going to school because when i so much of my friends be like this is my frat brother from school and, I'm right. like, nigga, I ain't
1: got none of that. And then you the had Howard and you had all those Howard, people right there? Howard, right there, all of it.
2: You know, none of that. No one educated me on it. I mean, how hard was basic training? Easy. Why uh, was it easy? Because you only had to run a mile and a half once a year. That's why I picked the Air Force. I said, which one is closer to a regular job? <laughs> and they said... In the Air Force, you only run uh, a mile and a half once a year, I said, sign me up. And I maxed the class. And I was gonna be an air traffic controller, but they said take eight months for the tech school to get a slot. I said, man, I can't live with this no woman no longer. How, what's the job I can lead today? They said a nuclear weapons loader. I said, I'll take it. Hold on,
1: you wanted that job? Hey, man, anything to get out of your mother's house, nigga. Nah, not that I mean you, you you jumped out the frying pan into the fire. No, I didn't. <laughs> it was easier
2: to load a nuclear weapon than live with Gilda M. Twyman.
1: <laughs> she, um, she loved me to death, but she argued about everything. Do you have any traits from your mother? Or did you go out of your way to make sure you didn't possess any of the traits that your mother displayed? i put you, uh, I, I, that's a good question. i tell you what trait I have formed from my mother.
2: You have, to, it's not what you say to me, it's how you say it. Right. You have to, you, the way you Dress you a come, certain way. Dress me a certain way. If you come at me with any time, even if it's constructive criticism, I'm a, I'm immediately a hit back at your ass. hmm Yeah. So I get that from my mother because I had to hear it so much and i couldn't reply back right because you can't oh mom. no no you you're gonna show respect oh you it's respect because she mama even if i don't agree with her right the authoritative who she is
1: mean there's no reason for a rebuttal at all was it like <clears throat> going from the comedy club when you're first starting out might be 50 people in there to performing in the hollywood bowl and you got 19,000. You can gamble
2: with a small club. 19,000, you better know what the hell you're talking about because if you lose them, it can get ugly. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? You you got to be precise with that many people. But the comedy club is intimate. Yes. You can gamble. You can go ahead. And if you tell the wrong joke, you can gamble them 50 or 200 people back up and get them back on your side. If you lose 19,000.
1: So you ain't getting them back? You ain't getting them back. Nah. Nah.
2: So you better stay on time, let me see, but I got here. I'm gonna get you out of here. I don't want you to stay that long. Oh, right, you good with me? I'm drinking this good
1: ass scotch, and I ain't driving. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you said comedy is therapeutic. Yeah. You pay fifty dollars an hour to tell a psychiatrist your problems. At the comedy club, they pay you fifty dollars an hour to tell them your problems. They hear my problem
2: exactly. I mean, because all he's giving you, regardless, doctor, whatever, he's just giving you your perspective. Right. And for me. Simplicity is my number one asset. So most people know the answer to their problem. The question is, do you wanna do, have the courage or the discipline to change it? Right. You know what I mean? You know what's wrong. I mean, shit, follow you, follow different people, Instagram, information is everywhere. From Google already down, you know. So my mentality is always, well, I'm gonna sit down and you either, you either tell me what I already know or give me a different perspective. Or do I stand up here and make it funny and be truthful and then I will get the answers and the crowd will
1: react to it? So it's always been that way. Is there a difference? Like when you first started coming up, you probably performed in a lot of black clubs. Mm-hmm. Do you tell jokes differently when you are predominantly, our audience is predominantly this or that? White. White um, crowds are more patient. Black people
2: want their money's worth, immediately. Hey, as hey, soon as you, hey, as soon as you, hey Albert, that ain't funny. You need to come out the box with a joke. Listen to me. If you see a black man rotate like this, <laughs> then he give you another one rotate like this. And you start looking around, and the motherfucker like, yeah, me too. Yeah, this shit ain't there. Even... Boo! <laughs> you got two rotations. Ah. <laughs> Bullshit, I done sit down here, rush to come get this. I done spend money get her hair fixed. She over here acting stupid. Look at all this food, two item minimum, this corny motherfucker, I done in line, it's raining outside. <sighs> if you don't say nothing funny in the next five
1: minutes, man. We up out of here. We up out of this motherfucker. So what was what was that like? Getting booed, knowing somebody never happened. You ain't never got moved quite? Never. Let me ask you a question. Has anybody ever left? Because you know, if somebody oh. leave a comedy club, you know. Now they have left.
2: left. They have left. But God damn it, I was nine deep. <laughs> It was nine comedians. You know, black comedy. I'm gonna black promoter. You gotta put a sister up there, let her sing like it's America's Idol. <laughs> then a motherfucker gotta do a fashion show. Then the motherfucker start forty five minutes. Ago. <laughs> then they gotta do the intermission. Then you gotta wait to get your money. Yeah. Show started eight. You don't go on stage a quarter to month, one. <laughs> 1 Fifteen hundred comedians. What the fuck? Her feet tied. They
1: aching. The dude wanna get his money's worth. you know? I didn't know. I. I, I I've lived in Atlanta, I've been in Atlanta since 94. I did not know that you owned Uptown Comedy Club. Yes, I, I
2: was a private owner, I started it. I picked Uptown and had Uptown because they wouldn't let, excuse me, let me perform at the Comedy Act Theater. And I called my mother, said they promised they let me perform at the club and then they reneged. And she why what did I tell you? You can never be mad about somebody for not allowing you to use their things.
1: Get your Even own. if they problem, get your own or find another way. Right. And I went in and got my own. What, comp- what are some of the famous comedians that came through Uptown.
2: Everybody, Chris Tucker, Steve Harvey, every comedian. That's what me and Dave Chappelle met the first time. We booked him at his club and we was paying him so much money. I said, who is this motherfucker? So I went and picked him up. You know you know how it is, athlete to athlete. Yeah. See all this press about this motherfucker and picked him up to impress, and then took him to the club for the first night, sitting in the back. Let me see what this moment, and once he stepped on stage and did the joke with, how did they first come up, Caucasian, how did they first come up with the word nigger? and the way he did it? I said, yeah, we've
1: been friends ever since. Game recognized, game. He's great. Back then, you know, you own the club, you wouldn't pick the comedian up. I only picked him up because oh. I wanted to
2: feel him. That We had staff for the rest of it, Right. But for him, and we paying so much. You know how it is. Let me get close to this motherfucker. Is it, is it real or is it hype? Yeah. You know, you get motherfuckers that hype. They come in here and I'll sit here. I'm like, he, he's not going to make it. He's not going to make it. He ain't the truth. You know, but when I picked him up and got to see him, I said, he got it. And then after he showed me that,
1: I said, drank my drink and went to Magic City. Uh, I, you, you, how you take the man to Magic City? You know the man was going to love Atlanta once he went there. Hey, man, that's that's, the, that's how I... Where we going? I inducted <laughs> everybody
2: at my club to Magic where we City. Go, where we going back? Every man should go there and see the beautiful thing that God has put down here for us. Yeah, all of them. yes. It's the beautiful
0: place. Well, hold on. You
1: know what, Qu- Quake, now that you mention it, since you've been in Atlanta, you ever been to Claremont? No, I don't know. You heard, you heard about it, right? I heard about it.
0: <laughs> White go.
2: women that danced so ugly. <laughs> you know, they sit there with don't, that sublimity. Billy was a bad boy. Well, tell Billy to pay your motherfucker. <laughs> My name Earthquake.
1: I don't even know about no goddamn Billy. <laughs> you told a joke about being broke and being in debt. Mm-hmm. Explain the difference. Broke means you
2: just ain't got no money. Debt mean even if you get some money, you got to give it to another motherfucker. So I was in debt for a long time, and it took me a while to get out of debt. How did you get in debt? Um, Living outside your means? Trying to keep a woman satisfied with gambling at the point I can handle this until we blow. You know, um, when I got married... um, I bought a house right next door to Jamie Foxx, up the street from Jamie. And I used to tell my ex-wife at that time, like, listen, this nigga got an Oscar. We just got a dog named Oscar.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know <what> I'm saying? <laughs> you gotta slow up on this spending, baby. You know, once I, we blow, I'ma put us here and she never understood i bring home a dime she just spend 11 cents dog and it was it kept me on the road kept me going i could afford it but i was doing mule time instead of staying stand at home and able to be at clisdale to get situation that could further my career but i ain't had no choice i had to take those debt those dates and that money right to to, 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 sustain, to, to sustain that standard of living so I woke up in the morning, I was like, I'm $2 million, $3 million in debt, nigga, and I ain't got nothing to show for it. Yo, nothing for me personally. I got a house, I got a wife, I got this, I got this, and it was and how I got $3 million worth of fucking debt. And ain't nothing that I can put my hand on that I personally bought for myself. And that's when it, it changed. I said, I gotta get up
1: out of here. This motherfucker's too expensive for me. Pew! You mentioned Steve Harvey, know Steve a little bit. He's a great. I mean, Steve, Yeah, he's still a comedian, but Steve is more like he give you advice. He give you life lessons. Now, what did you learn from Steve? He's one of your mentors. What did Steve teach you?
2: A lot, man. Um, First thing he taught me is I don't need to physically write. I remember one time I was writing and he said, what you doing? Said so right now these jokes on him. He just grabbed it, tore it up. and said, "You don't have to write yours. Come out, right out the oven, ready. Don't let them make you conform to their process. Use yours." From there, I took off. Um, and to always believe. Steve is the most confident person I have met in my fucking life. Some people take it arrogance, but Steve has always believed in Steve. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I mean when I first booked, booked him at my club, and it was only fifty people there the first night. And Steve came to me and said, "Steve, how you don't perform for fifty people?" I'm like, "Nigga, this shit is packed." What are you talking about? Send <laughs> him home, give their money back. Come pick me up in the morning, and we're gonna go into the radio. And he was the one that taught me, <clears throat> excuse me, the significance of doing radio as part of promotion, because he got there that morning. Of course, with the DJs, uh, we had to stop at at Dunkin' Donuts and get donuts and orange juice. I said, "What we getting this for?" He said, "We gotta get this to the morning personnel because they're so intimidated by us, think we gonna take their job, which we can. Said, These motherfuckers are terrible, <laughs> but you gotta pay them off so we can stay on, stay on the air long for the whole duration. The whole duration of the show, right. of their morning show." So we got on there and I watched him from six, we got there about 5.30, it was from six to 10, he did the whole show. When I tell you, it was no tickets sold before we got there. When we got off the air, we sold out six, eight, 10 and 12 on Friday, Saturday and Sunday. So when he was the first big act I ever had. And when they went to settle up and they show how much money he had, I like, there it is. So that's what I do now. When I hit the radio, I'm selling tickets. I'm making people say, who was that mofo that was on the radio? I got to go see him. Certain people get on there and interview. Yeah, me and my kids are good, and I'm working with Jamie Foxx. Nobody want to hear that shit. What they want to hear, are you funny, and are you going to be funny tonight? Right. Simple.
1: Kids, you mentioned, I think you got two, right?
2: Three. Three. Had four, but it turned out to be a counterfeit baby.
1: (laughs) There you go, quake, quake. We're not doing this. No, it's a counterfeit baby. It's true. (laughs) If you want my story now. Okay, tell the story of the counterfeit baby. What happened? Well, I don't want to tell, but... Yeah, you do want to tell it. No, I don't, but I tell it. Um,
2: (laughs) I was dating a chick for... I wasn't dating her. We was friends, associates. With benefits, okay. Well, you know, you meet a person. Come on, man, you're a football player. When you come into town, you want tickets. You want to come see me. We cool. You do dinner. Right. It might pop off. It might not. They cool people. Right. Never ask you for nothing. Tell you where to eat. What's hot. Escort you through. We had that kind of relationship. Sixteen years. Never asked me for nothing. Any woman that I be with is, you know, that I be with. I'm gonna enhance you. And what I mean by half you, even if I'm not your man, I am going to contribute to you to be a better woman, which if if it's within my ability and with her was put her through nursing school, help her to facilitate different things. But anyway, when my mother died, I was handling the funeral and everything. I drove up to uh, see her and um, you know, we, you know, got into it with, you know, we got intimate. And then she came and told me she was pregnant. And she was saying, yeah, yeah, this, look, this must be God, you know, uh, God takes from you and gives to you. And this is a woman I have had many, countless, countless, can't even, I don't got enough toes or fingers. I don't want no more kids. I damn sure don't want. The next woman that's gonna be the mother of my kids gonna have to be the woman of my dreams. I'm not trying to have somebody that's just aight with me being the mother. So anyway, she told me it was that since I knew him for 16 years, there was no reason for me- Not to to, believe it. Not to believe it, nor that I wanted to check on it and it come back positive. Then I got a motherfucker for 18 years looking at my child. He never believed you was his father anyway. (laughs) You know, you don't want that. That's that's hard. So anyway, she told me I had the kid, named it after my my mother and everything. Kid got about three years old. I'm flying up to Cleveland, taking care of her and everything. So I don't know how you do it. Um, I invested in her in a point to say, listen, I want you to be self-sufficient because what happened to the last time in my relationship, they envy me, but I'm, I'm living my dream and they're not living yours. Right. So what we are gonna do is she was a, a nurse at the jail. I said, well, I don't want you. That ain't, that's, that's dangerous. What you need to do is get your own agency and um, um, sit out here and, and put them on out as independent contractors to nurse home. home. So we did that. My good friend Jermaine and all of us facilitate with her, got her a government bid. I'm talking about six, seven figures on here. So she will, if I help her make her money, she ain't gonna look in my pocket to get mine. That's what I'm thinking. Yes, what you thinking. So um, I calls her up one time and she doesn't return my calls. And this is, this I call her Batman. You know, Gotham City. When I call her Yuli, I'm, I'm up reading yeah. the Bible.
1: Yeah, uh, commission you know, to go and call Batman, man, he pick it up. He
2: pick it up, yeah. She was that, but this time she called me like, "What the hell going on?" Oh, oh, oh! So my child, that I thought was my child, was my—it was her time, you know. It was his birthday. I said, "Let me talk to him." She wouldn't talk. So all the things I went through, my previous baby mother going through, she went through. I said, "You be the last one I thought would take me through this with our child." I don't know what I did to you, or nothing. So anyway, not hearing nothing from him. I'm on, it's Father day show that I do in um, New York every year. I'm on the radio. I get a phone call, and I haven't talked to her, but it has aerial code 216, which is Cleveland, so I'm thinking it's her. It's her boyfriend. Uh-oh. He called the show? No, he called me. He called you,
1: okay? Well, I you. was on the show. Right, you was on the show. Okay,
2: my yeah. bad. So I'm like, hey, what's up? And he said, hey, man, listen. I just grabbed, I grabbed my girl's phone, man, her phone, and I thought. You were smashing my girl. But as I grabbed her phone and went through it, I could see that y'all are just co-parenting and you're not trying to be with her. I can't even let you go through that. That is not your kid. And then he sent me out of her phone, all the daily texts that she was having with the real father, while she was playing that uh, role with me at that time. Oh, man. Her mother knew, her son knew, her brother knew. It was like the Truman Show. I was in that <laughs> mother, the only one- That didn't know. Didn't know, you know what I mean? So that's why I call it a counterfeit baby. Counterfeit baby. Y'all not cool no more? Hell no. I ain't talked to her since the notification. No, there's nothing else to be cool about. That's the worst thing you can ever do to sit here and um have someone else, me and the child, believe that I'm his father and have him play as my son for your own personal gain. Now I know certain women, you know, out here and you might not know, but she knew and she continued on with it. And for that, that's I will never forgive her. And then, I don't know about you, but it's a privilege to talk to me. I'm like Luther Vandross. Give me a reason not to fuck
0: with
2: <laughs> 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 nah, I ain't gonna lie, I, I, I
1: don't think like that quick. I'm, just, I'm just a normal
2: guy. Nah, quick. fuck that. Normal guy of normalcy. Ain't no normal motherfuckers out here putting up with that on there. If you sitting there treating them well and giving them the respect that they are, how dare they? How dare they? I go somewhere else for that. Go on and find that with somebody else. You a sports fan? Very much so. Who your team? Everything Washington, you be killing my team too. I just y'all terrible, you know,
1: y'all good and terrible. Listen, man, we're getting through this. Y'all be We're the commanders. You, you know good where y'all ain't about to win nothing. Okay. With that name? Listen, when
2: we win, the name would be good. Who thought a cowboy would be good? Them sorry motherfucker. They, they, they play like they don't even practice. They <laughs> are the Super Bowl winning every year. You tell that to Skip. <laughs> They're
1: terrible. So who who who, who, who your uh, basketball team? Washington Wizards. Everything Washington. Quake, y'all had one of these things since what seventy nine? Elvin Hayes and, and West Unsell? Really, Bobby Danrich? Well, you from Georgia, you even had the Hawks. Yeah, they we. Y'all ain't but never, we didn't. Y'all ain't,
2: y'all ain't never had a parade. At least we had one. Well, we ha- they had a
1: parade last year. When you ain't. Guys, ha- I'm talking the about the Hawks.
2: The ah, Hawks. Hey, you, ah. you, you know you fucked up as a black man when you gotta go to baseball to see your trophy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Mother ain't say football. The he ain't say basketball. <laughs> what about the Braves? Hey, we had a. Tw- hey, hey, Hawks had a. Uh, uh, the Falcons had a 28-3 lead. The yeah, yeah
2: and and every stripper still mad because <laughs> had a million dollars on deck
1: and you blew it, Mac. You blew it. They did. They did. You uh you was, uh starting the uh, Shaq's All-Star Comedy Jam. Yes.
2: How was that experience? It was great. And I looked at Shaq in his face and I told him, I said, I hope you this is not an overnight thing or or once, I hope you're a facilitator for comedy. See, one thing that happen with us comedians, we have never had our puffy we have never had our Russell Simmons. And right. what I mean by that, Russell Simmons did do Def Jam, yeah. but he let it go. Right. We never had nobody facilitate our talent to the gatekeepers. See, I admire rappers because Puffia tell the, the Aaron R or the record label. You ain't got to talk to my with my, my artists. We would deliver the product to you, and we, I guarantee you, it'll sale. Right. Not for us. For us to get a TV show, we have to go and collaborate with motherfuckers that have no talent. Right. Who's sitting here telling you how your story should be. Told. And how it should be told. Mm-hmm. And that's what you should put in this story. And when the shit falters or fails, then you take the weight. Quake Show didn't make it. Well, I didn't want a gay dog flying at night. You would say, you know, this will be a hit if we have a gay dog in the place. So that's what it is off of it. And I was hoping that Shaq would take his leverage and continue on. He said he was, but for whatever reason, it didn't.
1: Who's funnier, Shaq or Charles?
2: Charles, because he's able to be himself and it's accepted. Charles a fuck a word, just fuck a word up just like I do. (laughs) And it's funny. Not gonna. You say that shit. You can put my name on it. <laughs> what do you say? on that uh subway commercial with Steph Curry. You can put my name on it. I could, but I'm not gonna. <laughs> Lee Alabama ass be in that motherfucker. You know, I hung out with Barkley doesn't remember me, but I hung with Barkley when I was in Vegas and watched him lose a million dollars each night. And my wife at that time, my ex-wife was like, come on, let's go. I said, No, it's a lesson in this. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: on the roulette table, a million every night for two nights in a row. It was me, him, and the Big Hurt. Big Hurt lost about thirty thousand, but Charles
1: lost a million. He's like, "Quick, I still got seventy-two left." Dude, hey, let me ask you this: You say you don't write your jokes down. You just—I mean, you know, rappers. I mean, I guess Jay, Biggie, Wheezy—they don't write jokes. But how—if how, you don't write it down. How do you remember it and take it to a set and 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 and, and comprise and, and have a compilation where you can just like just flow?
2: Cause nobody know what it's supposed to be but me. As long as I put it together, that is funny. You don't know because I I'm the only one know what it's supposed to be. Like I left out a lot of shit. On uh, my special, the Netflix, right? Yeah, especially the uh, January the sixth about shooting them on the fucking steps, and I left out a part, and I haven't forgave myself. Would have took another level. I said I would have been John Wick up that bitch, <laughs> 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 <pat, pat>, <laughs> sliding on the floor, that that that. But see, when you in it, right? You know, you see it. Cause so for me, I go with a subject, and then
1: it. It comes in, in my face and right. I just, just roll, roll I run with it. with it what I see. How hard is it now? Quake, back in the day when you first started, say your first 15 years, there was no cell phone.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now you tell a joke, somebody going to replay it. And then somebody else going to retweet it. And then somebody else going to retweet it. And a joke that you could tell for two, three years, you only probably got two, three shows with it. But
2: see, that's the beautiful how I come up. I don't even like hearing it that long. You know what I'm saying? I just I don't understand how comedians do the same shit over. It. You gotta be tired of hearing it. If you tired of hearing it, the crowd have to hear but it. But they like it. Uh, them I mean, something you else know, like.
1: Chick-fil-A couldn't could, could sell burgers, but, but you, they like that chicken sandwich, don't yeah, you? Okay, then yeah, they like they still
2: yeah, have it. Yeah, but you a joke is something that you can't repetitively keep on doing. That is not the that is not the description of the occupation. Right. We're not singers. We cannot sing the same hit song over and over. You right. cannot tell a joke over and
1: over again. So you can't be Frank and May. with Lil' Mane? Fuck no. Summer Love? Can't do Summer Love. Summer <laughs> Girl! Summer Girl, I mean Summer Girl. All right, get down. Get, get before down. I go. <laughs> you know, before I let go. Before
2: I let go. You can't do it. Bruh. Oh man, thank you. You know you're my man. Bad, quick, you know, I appreciate always, you. Always, man. You're great. Tell your brother I said hello. I sure man. will.
1: I used to play with him on Madden all the time. <laughs> I sure will, bro. I appreciate your time. I know you're very busy, yes. but, bro, you give me, a, give me a couple of minutes today. I really appreciate that. No, nah, I appreciate any time. I'm always a phone call away. All my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle, pay the price, want a slice. Got to roll the dice to swap all my life. I've been grinding all my life. Uh, all my life. Been grinding all my life. Sacrifice. Hustle, pay the price. Want a slice. Got to roll the dice to swap all my life. I've been grinding all my life.
0: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss.